Welcome back to part two of our conversation with designated drinker Consuela Lopez, Capital Pride Alliance board member. So if you've missed part one, go ahead and belly up to the bar and give that a listen first. We'll save your seat right here. So Consuela, in part one, you shared a bit of your trans journey, uh, a little bit of your family history. And uh, I can't tell you how important it is that we continue to tell that story. You're really inspiring for so many people that beyond the tra- beyond the trans community. And I think we're breaking down barriers. I really do believe I see myself in you and your story. And I think more people need this story because they under they it just opens up the, that space. We have a better understanding of one another, that we're all just human, damn it. But honestly, there you shared some things that were really eye-opening for me. Um, and I think this is where we really need to turn that lens and really hear what's happening to the trans community now. So that way we can all become allies, even if it's just from a personal standpoint to an activation, to activism, really. Can you please take us down some of that and tell us what the trans community is really facing today? Let me pull my sleeves down. <laughs> so, transphobia, right? Um, when people don't understand what you are, so they immediately judge you. Um, and again, today's topic, people don't feel that you should be walking around wearing high heels and you were assigned male at birth, plain and simple. Um, but it's different when you actually did it. Um, this isn't something you read in a book or you saw in a magazine. It's not, you know, not a book that you went to purchase to talk about, hey, this is what trans means. This means really living in the community. Um, and it started, like I told Louise before, when I was 15, um, I lived in DuPont Circle and I went to junior high and high school in um, Northwest by Georgetown, Finley Town, so very affluent areas, but I would always have to walk to DuPont Circle. And I loved it because DuPont Circle was more of a gay area, right? So you were able to connect with people more by yourself, being with like people, you know, people want to, you know, you want to, you, as you become an adult, you want to be with people like yourself. So you don't feel weird or feel different. And it got to a point where my curfew was, you know, I had be like, Junior high, I had to be home before the lights turned on. Um, high school, I had to be home by like, you know, 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Um, after 18, I was I had to be home before my mom got up. So that was my curfew. Um, and <laughs> You had to when, sneak in before I, she got up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was many times. Many times. I liked it at 15. Are you kidding me? Um, but no, but that was my, that was my, my, my curfew, but, but it, that curfew helped me because I always kept in the back of my head. I got to be home before she wakes up. I have to be home before she wakes up. So I was, even if I was out there being a mess, I still found my way home. But when I had that curfew, that was 10 o'clock is when it started to hit home that I was like, Oh, where are you going? You know, where, you know, where do you live? And they're like, I live in the park. And I'm like, what? Like what, what, you know? So I, that was the first moment of understanding my community and how, you know, what barriers were that they were facing, because how could not, how could I not understand that I was 15 with a mom who kept the roof over my head and food, but the same person that I'm hanging with is staying at a park. Think, you know, that, that, that was the, the first barrier where I'm like, okay, this isn't right. So of course I bring a friend home, bring a friend for dinner. Um, I even let a, a friend spend the night one night. My mom was like, 
where's this kid's mom? And I was like, oh, I was like, she's uptown or something, blah, 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 blah. And my mom was like, you know, they can't stay here. They're underage, blah, 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 blah whatever. So much that I ran away from home um, to go spend the night at the park because I wanted to be with my friends. Because I'm like, this, it can't be that bad, right? If they're sleeping in the park. That's how oxymoron it was. That I was like, it can't be that bad. Wow. So imagine what my mom, of course, that, that's why, like, my mother's, I, I have done, I've done more than, more than my share to, to try to make up for what I did as a kid. Um, and she loves me very much and I love her. So that, that, that you know. Never, never dull moments, but I'm sure those moments right there, I wish I could take back, um, that I ran away and I started to see what the lifestyle was like. So 15, 16, finally, I see somebody who's trans. They have on girl clothes and I'm like, wow, you look like a woman, blah, blah. They're like, oh, well, you could look like one too. And I was like, really? So of course, kids, 16s, you, know, you go over to your friend's house after school and boom, they put you in a skirt and they put you in a shirt and because you're with like people and some people like myself who could have company that could get over and dress. I also had similar friends who lived in other neighborhoods that the mothers accepted that they were like, oh, yeah, go ahead and try it on, you know, blah, blah. but, you you know, there were some, again, that could not do that in their house. This one time, the first time they were like, Consuela, you want to try it? And I was like, yes, of course. They put on a skirt, on a shirt, had a, a, a wig on. When I tell you I was in heaven, I was like, oh, my God, this feels so natural. This feels so good. Like, you know, they were, I was like, this is really, really, this is, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And they're like, okay, well, now let's go. And we're like, where? They're like, we got to go make some money. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, what? I I, I didn't get, like, I didn't understand. Um, next thing you know, I'm hang, still hanging with my friends, and I am being trafficked. I, it, when it comes to sex trafficking, I mean, but it wasn't from the community. It was just something we did, and it goes hand in hand because here I am dressed as a woman. At a t- at, you know, I'm a teenager, like 16, and my hormones are raging, of course. And then you find someone that finds you sexually attractive, that they find you attractive. They're like, oh, you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. And you know you're a whole boy with a wig on, right? And you're, you're telling yourself, oh, my God, like this makes me feel good, right? And and before you know that, it's you're 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 turned into this lifestyle of like, you know, sex work, and then you're you're like, oh, this is where it's fun, and then you go to the club that has the drag shows, you know, where you're able to go dressed up to a club and feel normal, and then the club closes, and boom, there's men, tons and tons of men outside picking up girls, and if you think about the girls who now don't want to stay in the park who wants to get a hotel room for the night, that's one trick a night. You know what I mean? And that, and at least you, you can sleep in your head, you know, somewhere, sleep and eat. And then it becomes a lifestyle, right? Um, wow. So the more that, 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 of course, you learn from your mistakes and you, you know, it takes your mind and say, hey, this is, this is what we're not going to do. Um, you still have those friendships that, you know, that you still understand. And, and that brings me back to, helping start this nonprofit called Casa Ruby, which I'm no longer a part of. Um, it addressed the issues of homelessness, ages 18 to 24 for LGBTQ youth. And when I tell you, I just stopped working there last year. Uh, the, pandem- the pandemic did me in. I still saw kids come in ages 18 to 24 that were kicked out of their houses, wow. had nowhere to sleep, 
still their 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 idea of a lifestyle was living in hotels and tricking and like doing sex work, survival sex work, and that and and that is this that that's the lifestyle. Like you know, so then you have girls like myself that I only had but like one role model growing up that was a hard worker that was a hairstylist. My other role models were sex workers, right? Yeah. So because they looked like women, they you know, they were beautiful, they were gorgeous, they did it, meaning yeah. I knew they were assigned male at birth and now they were women. And I'm like, oh my God. I didn't have to read that in a book to be able to understand that it, it was doable. I saw it. So since you can see it, you can achieve it. Right. Yeah. And, yep. I, and, you know, and, and I and I showed, you know, my community, I'm like, you know, I have to be a role model. I have to be yes. a role model because that yes. is the way that me as an individual can change the way people view about myself. Because I did kind of, you know, I did migrate into that heterosexual community where, you know, I work with the hairstylist that there was only one trans person that you talk, yep. you know, you got along with the gays, but you got along with the heterosexual women, heterosexual men. You heard how they talked. But you heard how heterosexual women or heterosexual lifestyles were like, oh, you can't sleep with the guy on the first night. Meanwhile, the gays are like, oh, honey, open your grinder app. Like all that, you know, all that kept just, just, I couldn't handle it anymore. Of course not. not. And, and I think that's what I was saying, Louise, like, I can't handle it anymore. I'm not putting on this hat and just, or I'm not putting the sign on my forehead and being like, this is how I'm going to act. This is how I'm going to be. No, I'm done with that. Like, I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to talk about issues that are real to me and issues real to my people who are close with me and which are female clients that I hear how women are treated as opposed to, you know, uh, their male counterparts. And because I've I've already been treated differently anyway, like I can't distinguish. I can't, yeah. you know, but I hear the stories and I'm like, <gasps> what? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it goes back to that, you know, to saying, like, I don't want to be a, you know, a Debbie Downer, but being a woman is hard. You know, but <laughs> seriously, it's so much hard. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Yes. But I think one thing that you said that I think I really want to just make sure that everyone, if you missed it, is that the pro- one of the main issues is, to your point, is you don't have another role model. When you were a kid coming up, what you saw in the trans women's space was sex work. And that, and it's not by choice. It was, that was the only way you, they could eat. It was the only way they could get by. And that is a, a challenge that for the rest of us who are allies can start working on that. And that's where those transitions, which I think come this direction in all directions, not this direction, all directions, is that these people are, are, are human. They're, they're intelligent. They're talented. They, all of the things that you want for, from a, a, from having a part of your team, from your staff, all of those things can be found in the, are not missing in the trans space. It's not like, to your point, they're, they need opportunity to get jobs, to have careers, to have regular, to have like a normal life, whatever life they want and to be successful. And I think that to try to, um, what I'm trying to do is break down that barrier of it, if sex works, you said survival sex work, and that is what we need to try to, el- it, to, to 
not you can't eliminate it, but give other options. If that is the only way you can survive, that's a problem. That is something that we should all work to figure to help figure out. If you want to be a sex worker, it should be a choice. Not that's your only option. I exactly. think there are people that want to be but, sex right, workers. But, but. But that, that, but that's unfortunate because, you know, living in Washington, D.C., and this is where I was to my point, Louise, that I live in Northwest. I live in one of the better neighborhoods of D.C. And here, you know, I have a job. I have a career. I have everything. But you go to a different part of Washington, D.C., and, you know, think about that kid that the mom is strung out where the father is either gone, to, dead, or in jail. And you see, a, you know, you see something a better. It's called survival. So people go into yeah. survival mode. And unfortunately, in different parts of the city, you know, it, it, it's 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 okay to be that way, but in other parts, you don't see anybody out front of my house tricking. You don't see nobody walking down the street, hunt, strung out. Like they they they're not having that in this neighborhood. But yeah. you go way down south. I've seen people almost overdose on the street, and me pull pull, pull the police over, and I'm like, look, y'all, look, 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 and they're like, I oh, will send somebody to keep pulling by. They're not doing this right here, up in 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 in. in Upper Northwest, Friendship Heights, Chevy Chase. No. No. No, no. you're right. No. I, so I, that's, a whole, that's a whole nother segment. That's a whole nother that segment. Is, that is. Because, yeah. We'll, we'll do one on Northeast and Southeast DC. I'm, I'm totally in. I think that should be addressed. Yeah. I think you need to come back. I think we need to like a, yeah. just a Consuela series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think we should do? Oh, let's have a cocktail. Let's go do it. All right, so we're going to make a, a pitcher cocktail. And I got to tell you, at first I wanted to do a cocktail and call it, um, you know, just like really give it a little bit of a, like a fun twist, right? So I, I mentioned before in episode one that the new thing is, um, it's not really new. It's like a revival of making things with like coconut syrups and uh, milks and stuff like that. And they call it making your drink dirty. So dirty sodas, dirty cocktails, dirty whatever. It doesn't just imply salted, um, doesn't apply just adding saline, it's just adding something else. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make dirty sangria. And what and what it is is coconut syrup, wine, lime juice, pineapple juice, uh, and a little bit of mint. So we're gonna get started. So first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna pour our wine into a pitcher. And let me tell you, if you are celebrating pride and you're having your friends over, you can make this ahead of time. You can leave this in the refrigerator and it will be fine for like five to seven days. So you're like totally kosher with that. And like, it is just something like, keep the party going, delicious, got a little bit of vitamin C and we love that. So I'm using, I'm doing a single bottle right now. On the uh, recipe I'm gonna give you a designated drink or not show is gonna be for two bottles. And of course you can always double, triple, make it a garbage can size, whatever you need to do to party, <laughs> party for pride. And remember that it's always about your community. So we're making a community drink. So here we go. So we're gonna add um, for one bottle of wine, white wine, we're adding three ounces of, of um, lime juice, three ounces of coconut syrup. And we gave you the recipe in um, episode one. It'll also be available on our website and also three ounces of fresh pineapple juice. So now all that deliciousness in there, right? So it looks like, you know, just like a pina colada, except it's a little bit lighter. So if you're drinking outside, you won't be like passing out. Mm. So here's what I love. I'm gonna just do a quick little um, tutorial on mint. So mint, right? You have really, you have spearmint and you have sweet mint. You wanna use sweet mint in this drink and you wanna put 10 leaves inside the pitcher. 
And if you are making this ahead of time, add the mint right before you serve it. Otherwise, this will become way too minty and it'll be like you're drinking Listerine and that's not probably what you want to do. You probably want it a little bit lighter than that. Um, and you know, one thing I love about Washington, D.C., especially when you live in the upper Northwest area, for sure, everybody's got mint, herbs, blah, blah, blah in their yard. Borrow from your neighbor, ask them to take a little bit, throw it in. It's uh, it's kind of wonderful. And then we're going to just take a little bit of um, fresh pineapple, throw that in the pitcher. And that is it. You know, you're done. Super easy, right? We're going to add a little bit of ice because we're going to serve it now. It looks delicious. <laughs> and, and you know, what's really fun is that when you're outside, you know, you need a little bit of vitamin C and you get it with this. So it's a little bit light. It's refreshing. Yes, you can, you can use, um, you know, uh, any kind of white wine that you like. Uh, don't use a sweet white wine and syrup. It's too sweet. You'll get like a headache from it. And now we're just going to take it, pour it into our glass, and make a huge mess on my counter. So the dog is very excited that it's looking up now <laughs> a little bit of white wine. That's great. Uh, and we're just going to finish it off with uh, two of the pineapples and a sprig of mint. And we are good to serve. And that is that. Save your little glass. That looks delicious, Gina. Has your fun. dog ever got drunk? Well, I don't know if he got drunk, but he's definitely gotten high. <laughs> you know, I got, that's, that's the greatest thing that ever happened uh, to me in D.C. I've been in D.C. 20 plus, 22 years now, 23 years. Uh-huh. And when they legalized marijuana, I almost passed out. I'm like, this is the greatest day of my life because I can have the mommy gummies. Cheers. Cheers, Gina, to Consuela. Cheers. Cheers. True story, Gina. I dated a guy. Um, that his roommate, um, his roommate was like, he was one of the persons that was lobbying to, to legalize marijuana. And I remember him being like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get it legalized one day. I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, Scott Morgan. I don't know if you know that name, but, um, one day when I, when the, the first, the first dispensary opened up, of course I did it the right way. I got my application. I, got, I walked in, I was like freaked out. And all you heard was, hey, Consuela. And I was like... <laughs> Scott Morgan. Ah! So it was one of my, my ex's roommates who lobbied to push that through. So I was like, oh, my God, tell me to eat my words. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's a great segue to, like, everything that's happening right now. I hope that one day after this conversation, you know, we're going to be 10, 10, like, hopefully it's next week. But, you know, whatever the future holds for our, all of us women, for all of the transgender space, for all of the people that, you know, just want to be the better person of themselves. You know, I hope that that's going to be like, well, I'll eat my words that we can all be inclusive. We can all belong to in a community and we can all exist. And like, I feel like that's what our, our goal is. You know, our goal is to make a better society. I know, I know it sounds cliche. It sounds cliche, Gina, but we've come a long way, but we've got a long way to go. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Crazy. So that, that's the crossroad. That's where we're like, you know what? It's time to do, you, if you see something, say something. And, you know, I, I've, I've even had those hard conversations with my family when I'm like, you know, um, if, if you see something and you don't say something about it, then you're just as guilty. And I think, you know, pushing pushing that forward, that message you, where you were talking about, you know, the newer generation with the kids and you say, you tell them that, you you know, and I tell that to a lot of my, of my kids. I'm like, listen, you know, I know being trans is super, super hard, but 
being a human also to other people because again like you know look look at where i live like you know like i i'm going outside maybe i might not see the crack or the drug addict but i'm going to see the elderly person or something you know what i mean there's always something like and i'm and, and again if you see something and you you could do something better a, a situation better do something because then if you don't then you're just as guilty for not doing something about it I hope that you're le- I hope that the, the space that you're leaving, you know, and that and that and giving them a better path, giving anybody a better path that needs that needs to be included is what we're all trying to do. And on that note, everybody, where are you going to go to get all those pros, tips and tricks? You're going to go to where you get those hoes. Is that what you said? Uh, sorry. Where are you going to get, <laughs> get um, tips, tricks and how to you're going to go to designated drink it on show. And again, you're going to go to Designated Drinking Out Show, and we will see you there, and we will get you linked up with um, Capital Pride. Yep. Consuela. Yep. How to donate. Donate your time. You don't have any money. Donate time. And if you need help, you know, we'll have that all together. So Absolutely. you're not alone. Absolutely. Those hoes aren't, those hoes aren't cash after 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Down south. Not over yeah. here. Over there. And they yeah, let it get out. Okay. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, here's to Consuela, to an amazing pride for everywhere throughout the U.S., especially here in D.C. But thank you so much for sharing your story. Until next time, we can't wait to see you again. Cheers. Thank cheers. you. Cheers, cheers. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. Love. Till next time. Mwah. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.